listening to First Church Charlotte. All right, we're in our series, Out of the Dark, and the subject today is coming out of isolation. There is no more important subject, uh, not just socially, but spiritually in this time, uh, than dealing with this issue of isolation and its impact upon us. So uh, I know you have a lot planned this week. I know some of you have already started cooking. You're giving Martha Stewart a run for her money, and uh, <laughs> that's a good thing. I'm glad uh, this Sunday before Thanksgiving is always um, a little bit, feels a little different because a lot of people have already started traveling. All that's fine. We wish we had money to travel too. That's, that's just a joke. We are traveling. <laughs> we are leaving to be with my wife's family, so y'all pray for me that I can maintain a Christian spirit at all times. And uh, we'll be with her family this week and uh, uh, eat everything uh, that's going to happen. Also, we have a treat this coming Sunday. Our former student pastor, uh, Dewan McCall, will be here preaching for us this coming Sunday. So that will be fun, a good time here in the house. But more importantly than that, he's bringing my grand child. And so we'll have the baby here, and um, I will be able to uh, see my grandchild, who has been cruelly kept away uh, from me. All right, isolation. Elbow your neighbor and say, listen close. He might be talking to you. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, we all of us know that isolation can be painful, and we all of us understand it on a social level. Where we don't understand it as well is on a spiritual level. Oftentimes, we, we aware, we're aware of the fact that we need others uh, just as far as social connection, but we fail to value at the same level our need for spiritual connection. So let me just say to everyone here before we go any further, you need others not just for your social needs. You need others because you have spiritual needs that can only be answered in terms of spiritual relationships. All life change happens in terms of relationships. Uh, maybe I should, if I would restate that, I would say most life change happens in terms of relationships. The way I like to prove that to people is I like to ask people if they can remember uh, the, the, the subject I preached uh, the past Sunday uh, when I preached. Um, some of you can, most of you can't. I can't. I have to look at my notes. Uh, that's mainly because once Sunday is passed, I am diving quickly uh, into the next subject, and I've moved on. Uh, that said, uh, we forget the sermon, uh, and yet we value the sermon, but we forget it. Uh, if I were to ask you to name five messages that changed your life, some of you could do it, most of you couldn't, you would have to start trying to explain, well, there was this Sunday, and, and there was this visiting preacher, or there was this subject that the pastor was preaching on. Then, after some work, you could come up with some kind of an answer. But now, let me flip the script on you, and let me ask you this. Could you name somebody that changed your life? All of you immediately would have somebody that changed your life. You wouldn't remember the message that I preached uh, recently, some weeks back, say, but you could name people 
that have changed your life. That is why I say most life change happens in terms of relationships. There's a reason why people who are dealing with the hardest change in the human experience, which is overcoming uh, chemical addictions, um, the hardest change, there's a reason why they put them together in a room. That's not because they can't think of an easier way to do it. It's because they can't think of another way that works as well. We need other people. Even if you're doing something that has a ritual style to it, like an Alcoholics Anonymous type class, uh, you still need other people. And so isolation is not just damaging on a, a social level, it's damaging on a spiritual level. I, I heard a funny joke about Abraham, excuse me, uh, I'm already mispronouncing characters, it's not going well. <laughs> Adam in the Garden of Eden, and uh, he's all alone, and he's sad about it, and he uh, is depressed, and he has everything he wants, he thinks, except he's alone, and uh, he goes to the Lord and says, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm all alone here. Uh, the Lord said, you know, I could make you the perfect helpmate. Uh, I could, uh, the, uh, they, they would always support you. They would believe everything you did was awesome, uh, and they would never disagree with you, and they would compliment everything you did. Abraham, I mean, Adam said, well, man, that sounds great. Uh, what's that going to cost me? And the Lord said, well, that's going to cost you an arm and a leg. And so Adam said, what can I get for a rib? <laughs> That's funny, y'all. Come on. It's Thanksgiving. I work hard on my jokes. <laughs> um, so uh, to be honest, uh, it, the, actually, the opposite is the case, and our uh, women are much uh, more valuable than all of us men. So moving along. Uh, isolation, I want to show this to you not just as a preacherly kind of thing. I want to awaken your concern uh, and your, shall we say, respect and even fear of isolation. And I don't want to just do it in a preacherly way. If we're not careful, we can kind of come and listen to the preacher and yeah, that's what preachers are supposed to say. I want to, if possible, I want to almost shock you with how dangerous isolation can be. I'm going to use some data out of the Center for Disease Control to show this to show this to you. Uh, this is from their website. These are in your notes. Uh, social isolation significantly increases a person's risk of premature death from all causes, a risk that may rival those of smoking, obesity, and physical inactivity. Now, all of us need to be more healthy. You can start with me. Uh, and the big risks that we all are well aware of are uh, smoking, uh, obesity because of the sugar insulin problem, and physical inactivity also for the same problem. We don't think, however, that being isolated has a similar risk profile, a, si a similar mortality influence upon us as, say, not eating right or not working out or worse, smoking. But the data would suggest that living lives of isolation has a similar damage to our health as those types of, of things. Social isolation was associated with about 50% increased risk of dementia. 
Even your brain needs the stimulation of other people in order to stay sharp. Poor social relationships, which result in isolation or loneliness, are associated with a 29% increased risk of of heart disease and 32% increased risk of stroke. Loneliness was associated with higher rates of depression, higher rates of anxiety, higher rates of suicide. Loneliness among people who had suffered heart disease and were battling heart failure resulted in a 400% increased risk, four times as much risk of death for people who had heart disease, 68% increased risk of hospitalization, 57% increased risk of uh, having to go to the emergency room, all a result of being isolated. And yet some of us are not enough, shall we say, focused on our need to connect with other people. Some of us are too quick to make excuses for ourselves to isolate. I'm preaching to some folks here today. I hope you'll receive it. Some of us are too quick to find a reason for trouble to keep us away from uh, godly fellowship. We're too quick to let trouble isolate us from uh, the worship life of other believers. And then we wonder why uh, weariness comes quicker, and we wonder why discouragement stays longer, and we wonder why despair visits too often. I want to say it to you, and I hope you can receive it today. Even those of you watching online, I hope you can receive this today. You were not made to do life alone. You were not made to serve God alone. You were not made to overcome trouble and fight with despair and discouragement alone. You need other people. And can some church folks agree with me here today? You are made not just to worship alone. You are made to worship with other believers. You are made to be knit together by God with people who are different than you are, who came from a different background than you came from, have a different ethnic inheritance than you, and you were put with them intentionally in God's plan, and yes, they were supposed to rub the rough edges off your personality, and yes, they were supposed to make you humble yourself and have a desire for, every, for other people in your life. I am praying that at the, this stage of uh, the COVID experience that people of faith would recognize their desperate need to be connected to a local body of believers. They would come to be convinced of their desperate need to have a house come together and lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting. You see, sometimes I'm the one who is weak and I need you in the house. Praise in the name of the Lord. Sometimes you're the one who is weak and and you need me in the house praising the name of the Lord. I can't have church without you. And you, believe it or not, need me and everybody else in this house. 
on this Sunday pre-Thanksgiving, I want to say I'm so thankful for every one of you. I'm so thankful for our volunteers who make everything possible here today. I'm thankful for my cameramen who are doing their best to make me look good and, and, and usually failing to make me look good, but doing the best effort that is possible. I'm thankful for the people in the production booth running this sound. I can't run sound and preach at the same time. I'm thankful for my pastoral staff who makes my life better. I'm thankful for my wife who keeps me saved and mostly sane. If it wasn't for her, I would not be saved. Trust me, I would not be saved. But she keeps me saved. I'm just talking tough. It's really not that bad. I'm so thankful for you, and I hope you're thankful for me. Do you get on my nerves? Well, sometimes, and I'm thankful for you. Do you agree with me on everything? Not necessarily, but I'm thankful for you. My chances of heaven are much higher with you than they are just with me. My chances of serving God and having my life make a difference are much higher with you serving God with me. Isolation isn't a new problem. It's as old as the human story. But I want you all to be aware of the fact that God cares about your isolation. The Lord saw Adam and he said, it is not good that man should be alone. I'll make him a helper fit for him. And since he had already gotten some practice making uh, mankind, uh, the second job he did was much prettier. And he uh, made a much prettier uh, creation the second time. And uh, that's just the way that his story is told. Uh, we need other people. Ecclesiastes 4, verse number 9, two are better than one. Elbow your neighbor if they're close and say, two are better than one. <laughs> Two are better than one. Now, if you're sitting by your wife, elbow them and say, but three will get you in trouble. <laughs> See, that was funny the second time, I told you. Uh, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. If they fall, one will pick up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Have you ever thought about this? I, I, this it wasn't something I was going to mention in my notes, but um, God always counts people as plus one. What do I mean by that? Uh, two is not is better than one, but a threefold cord is not easily broken because God is always plus one in your life. If you are living alone, you're not married, don't think you're alone, you are plus one. God does not count himself absent. He is there with you. That's why two can be together, but God's plus one. A threefold cord is not easily broken. There are four causes of isolation in the life of a believer. I specify believer intentionally because the truth is people of faith have better outcomes on almost every level of anxiety and stress than unbelievers. This isn't my opinion. This can be shown actually in the data of um, uh, human flourishing and health. Uh, believers do tend to do, uh, have better outcomes in 
so many areas, live longer, healthier, etc., etc. I am not wanting to spend too much time on that. I just want you to be aware of that. But as believers, even though we do have a prayer relationship with God, and if you are not praying, I'd like you to start praying. If you say, I don't know how, I'm going to make it very easy for you. Start with quiet time, and if you'll make quiet time, you'll find prayer very easy. But if you will not make quiet time, you will find prayer almost impossible. And so quit worrying about whether or not you will have a PhD in prayer. Nobody has a PhD in prayer. Some people just walk around like they do. Um, uh, Make quiet time. And in that quiet time, you will find prayer very easy uh, to do. And so uh, here you have, as a believer, you have the advantage of a relationship with God. But even as believers, isolation comes. And it comes even people who are striving to know the Lord. They can have a sense of isolation in their life. And I want to show you uh, four areas how even for the church, even for believers, there can be a sense of isolation in our lives. And so I'm going to use a story from the Bible, from the Apostle Paul's uh, life and ministry, and we will read in Timothy chapter number four. And the first area of our life where isolation can be very natural and can feel very real is when we are going through a transition. Our life is changing. There is a transition transition of some type that we are we are living through. Let me give you an example. Uh, when you move from high school to college, it's a big transition. Uh, when you move from college into the career world, uh, it's a big transition. If you start a new career or you start a business, it's a big transition. If you get married or you get single, <laughs> it is a big um, transition. And it's in these transitions that isolation is a very real a real thing. It's in these transitions that isolation uh, can rear its destructive head in our, in our life. And we are going through transitions. Life is not static. Uh, There's this old saying, why can you not dip in the same river twice? And that's because, number one, uh, the river's moving. Number two, you're not the same person, even though you want to say that in essence you are. And it's not the same river, even though you want to say in essence it is. Transition is part of life. Life happens. Change is the new normal. But let's be wise. Transitions of life have a very impactful influence upon us. This is Paul writing. He's in the final transition of his life. And he writes chapter number four, verse number six. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering. This this is an image from the Old Testament uh, in the temple and in the worship of, of, of the Lord in the temple. They would make drink offerings. And the apostle Paul is very aware of this. He's a, a Hebrew. He is a Hebrew scholar. Uh, he has seen his years of ministry as a pouring out of himself uh, for the gospel, a pouring out of himself for the needs uh, and the circumstances of the churches, uh, the needs of the people, and the mission of the gospel. My life is being poured out like a drink offering, he says. And he says this, the time for my departure is near. Big transition. Now, Paul is very fair to himself. Uh, And I hope that all of you are willing to see this wisdom and apply it to your own life. 
he says, in transition of his last mission and effort, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Notice that Paul does not try to pass judgment on his own success. It's very hard in transition to know how successful your last effort was. There's a very good chance that you'll end up just being cruel to yourself because in transition, you don't know how to judge the last years of your effort and the last work of your hands. Paul isn't trying to decide whether or not he's a success. There'll be time for that later. In the moment of transition, what he says to himself is, I have fought as good as I know how to fight. Somebody needs to hear me today. I'm preaching to some people here today. The enemy has beat you up over something that is in your past, and you're busy saying amen to the devil. You are in the wrong church. Quit saying amen to the devil and learn how to tell that voice to just hush in your life. Learn how to say, I fought as good as I know how to fight. Maybe someone else knew how to do it better, but I fought as good as I knew how to fight. And having done my best, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I'm not saying I'm the best of the best. I'm saying I kept my faith. This is the sign of a mature believer being fair to himself or herself. You need to learn how to do this. And can some church folks say yes? Man, this side's getting spiritual over here. (laughs) Normally, they're the carnal side, but today, they're coming on up the mountain. I'm coming up. Mm. Most of y'all didn't grow up saved, but some of us grew up saved. Uh, Transitions. I'm poured out like a drink offering. The time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight, finished my race. I've kept the faith. Now is the next step. It's the change. It's the transition. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. What transitions are you facing? You need to be fair to yourself. Quit trying to judge how good you did. You are not your own master. You have a master. Let God be the one who judges. The second circumstance of uh, difficulty that the believer can go through that can feel like it's isolating you from, from others is when you are in some way either physically or spiritually separated from other people, uh, other believers, uh, brothers and sisters in uh, the work, uh, people who have assisted you and encouraged you. Um, notice this, verse number nine, Paul again, do your best to come to me quickly. Paul's saying, I'm alone. I'm, I'm stuck here in prison. I, I'm, I'm going through transitions. I'm all alone. Uh, Paul is living out the uh, separation from uh, those who have been a strength to him. And uh, furthermore, the people who should have been with him, uh, they, they're, they're no longer with him. Do you see how separation can uh, lead to despair in your heart and you become increasingly isolated? He says this, Demas, he was supposed to be with me, but he forsook me. He loved this world. He's gone back to Thessalonica and Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus has gone to Dalmatia. Some of you don't know where Dalmatia is. Well, I'll give you a fun fact. That's where Dalmatians are from. 
Uh, all right, moving along. Uh, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you. He's helpful to me in my ministry. I send Tychius to Ephesus. Uh, there was a day when I went out and I had teams of people with me. There was a day when I was able, I was able to have the strength of other people with me in the journey. Uh, but now uh, most of them have left me. And uh, Luke can't be with me all, all the time. Luke has other things and other obligations. And uh, I'm alone a lot now. And I'm aware how uh, the enemy doesn't always cause isolation, but he always looks to leverage isolation. And so if you could come and help me, I want to make a challenge to all of you. If Paul knew how to humble himself and ask for his brothers to come and strengthen him, how much more should we humble ourselves and open ourselves to other people? There are some of you who you're waiting on the pastor to get a word of knowledge in order for you, for him to know that you need connections. This, this should not be the way you operate. You shouldn't wait until uh, the pastor gets a word of knowledge and uh, connects you with somebody. Uh, that's depending way too much on the pastor. He, he may have been fighting with his kids that week. and you, 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 uh, It's hard to be spiritual when you're fighting with your kids. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, I want you to know there's another way. Do what Paul did. Humble yourself. Say, I can't do this by myself. Would you pray for me? This church is full of people who will pray for you. They will check on you. They will invite you over to their house. This church is full of pastors who will call you, who will join with you on prayer. Don't be a spiritual island. It is spiritually unhealthy. You need other people in your life. Separation is real, and the Lord has to reconnect us with others, or our enemy will use separation to isolate us. The third thing that can feel, can feel very much like isolation uh, in your life is to face opposition. Again, Paul, verse number 14, Paul says, Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our, our message. Opposition is difficult, and if you are striving to lead others, you will, you will find out just how difficult it is when uh, someone opposes you, uh, someone works against you. Um, one of the reasons why this happens is just the nature of what it means to be human and the nature of what it is to have different personalities than other people and different styles of doing everything than other people. But this is what I know. It can be so, it can be so painful uh, that if any of you have ever tried to lead others or tried to uh, spend time investing in people and teaching a Bible study and, and find out that for whatever reason, whatever circumstance they were opposing you, they were, they were uh, working against you, um, you realize how Paul could feel. Um, so many people in, in, in their life, they, they're not in control of their spirit. And this, 
The Bible shows us this image of a person not in control of their spirit as a, an indiv- as, as a city that has no walls. And it's as though uh, any, any uh, e- evildoer can just come through and, 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 and ravage the city. Any, any spirit can just come through and make them angry. Any trouble can just come through and upset their whole life because they have no sense of discipline between what is happening outside their life and what is happening inside their life. As people of spiritual wisdom, we don't need to live this way. The first control you have in your life is a control over your own spirit. You say, how do I know if I am uh, doing better? Well, uh, there's a few things you can you can say. The, a couple of prayers you can pray that I would encourage you. The first prayer I would give you to pray is, Lord, what have I said today that if I heard it said about me would have hurt me or made me angry? And if you'll pray that prayer, you'll feel the conviction of the Lord upon you, and you'll be brought, you'll have brought to mind things you said that day that if someone said about you, it would make you angry. And if you're not in control of your tongue, it doesn't matter how long you've been serving God, uh, you're not in control of your spirit. The second thing I would suggest to you is to pray this prayer, Lord, am I seeing things as they are, or am I seeing things as they feel? And if you are seeing things in your life as they feel and not as they are, you need God to help you get in control of your spirit because your emotions are running over your reality. And so uh, that's just a short sermonette for Christianettes here on getting control of your spirit. When you don't have control of your spirit, it is as though your life is always a runaway truck going down a grade looking for a runaway truck ramp so you can have something uh, slow you down. My, my wife told me a funny story this week about uh, she she loves canning and she's all the time canning stuff and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, she's a bit of a nerd, but she had to be because she was marrying me and I'm the biggest nerd ever, true story. But she loves canning and she's on a canning website and she put on this canning website about how she does something with vanilla beans. Uh, don't know, don't, no hair, don't care, I, I, whatever. Vanilla beans, and uh, you get the idea. So um, she put this recipe on there, and uh, we're driving, and she just starts laughing. And she's like, you know, some people just go nuts over everything. So she reads me this post. There's a lady who comes on there, sees that they are not using the vanilla beans she has always used, and is not canning them the way she has always canning them, and she blows up. And she says, this site is full of liars. This site is full of misinformation. I wouldn't trust this site to keep my dog. I mean, she's just going off. She didn't say that, but some version, you know. She is going nuts. You can cancel my membership now. Who Who cancels a free membership? (laughs) She goes nuts. And I'm just like, holy moly, this is all over vanilla beans? And Charlotte's like, I know, right, vanilla beans? I said, well, what did you say? Well, then Charlotte reads out, well, thank you for your time, blah, blah. Look, guys, my wife is sweeter to strangers than she is to me. If I would have said that to my wife, she would have punched me in both eyes. But it's a stranger. She's like, well, thank you for your time, blah, blah, blah. Sweetie pie, sweetie pie. Other people are like, well, yes, good riddance. And I'm like, praise God, somebody with sense in the house. (laughs) This is the reality. This woman is not in control of her spirit. Let me give you some insight. It wasn't about the vanilla beans. Yeah, right. 
Let me say that again. It wasn't about the vanilla beans. She's not in control of her spirit. She just needed somebody to light a match so all her drama could projectile vomit over her world. Gross. I can't believe you said that, church. It's disgusting. That's exactly how I feel about people who do that. Let me tell you, one of the curses you can have in your life is to have a parent or a loved one who is not in control of their spirit. Because let me tell you what's going to happen. They're going to have bad things happen at work, and they're going to come home and vomit all over their kids. They're not in control of their spirit. If they're having trouble here, they will take it out on their wife. They, dearly beloved, these things ought not to be. Get control of your spirit. Humble yourself. Confess it to the Lord. Lord, I cannot be the kind of person who goes postal. If anybody works at post office, I'm sorry, but I mean, it has seemed to be a thing. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm sorry. I scratched that from the front. Anyway, moving along. Um, rejection is hard. Uh, here is the fourth reason. Number three was opposition. Number four was uh, rejection. Paul is very used to trouble. He's been attacked. He's been beaten. He's been in prison. He's been shipwrecked. He's been snake bit. Really? Who has been snake bit for the gospel? I mean, I don't know if I can stay in church if you insist that I be snake bit. I, j- I might need to g- j- join the online church. That's what I. That maybe that's what I'll do. I'll be. A, I'll be like, Amen. I don't want to be snake. Paul was snake fit for the gospel. I got some amens from back here. (laughs) Finally. Anyway, moving along. (laughs) Paul is used to trouble, but I want you to see something. Rejection still hurts. Verse 16, at my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. Even Luke deserted him. Even Silas, you get the idea. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. Here's a guy who's been attacked, he's been beaten, he's been in prison, he's been shipwrecked, he's been snake bit for the love of God, and it still hurts. I had a pastor call me this week, and he told me, he was being all confessional, you know, because it's very important to have people in our life that we're open with, and if you hide from everybody, pretty soon you'll be hiding from God. And so that's why we confess our sins one to another. Don't get good at hiding everything. There are things that because of the inappropriate nature, yes, I get that. That's not what I'm talking about. Do not get good at living a double life. Somewhere there needs to be some truth in your life. Somewhere there needs to be some authenticity. I know you don't want everyone to know your business. I agree. I feel the same. But you need people in your life that you are spiritually accountable to. (laughs) Pastor calls me. He says, you know, I had some trouble in my church, and he said, I realized that, that this has been going on for years. Every time this happened, it hurts so bad, and I just, I've just been telling the Lord, I, don't, I, I want to get where it doesn't hurt anymore, and when he said that, I belly laughed. I, I just belly laughed. I, I could not help myself um, because um, <laughs> I want to get where it doesn't hurt anymore. Um, tell me about this mythical place that supposedly exists where it doesn't hurt anymore. Um, I, I, yeah, I know some of you claim it, but that's because you have a drinking problem. It's not the same thing. I know after the third shot in, it doesn't hurt anymore. But then you start singing country western songs and your life implodes. So uh, that's not the solution. Rejection hurts. Paul says, at the first offense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held. Notice that against them. The Lord stood at my side, however, and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. 
the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack. This is the sound of a believer encouraging himself in the Lord. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, first you start encouraging yourself, and if you'll do that, it'll be easy to have a worship service. That's what Paul does. Paul is showing us here in his letter to Timothy, chapter number four, he's showing how he is dealing with isolation. We've talked about four types of valleys we go through that are part of life, that even believers go through, that serve to increase our sense of spiritual isolation. The first one is going through transitions. The second one is when we're separated from people that we have relied upon. The third one is opposition from people who we thought were with us. And the fourth one is rejection uh, from people who have decided they want nothing to do with us and only want to harm us. Paul is living it, and not just living it, he's letting us live it vicariously so we can gain in spiritual wisdom through him. Paul is going to show us how to deal with isolation. This is what Paul does. The first thing he does is he refuses to sit around and mope. Paul refuses to simply have a pity party. He doesn't deny the difficulty, but he refuses to have a pity party. We have all kind of little sayings we say to each other. Uh, We say things like, if life gives you lemon, make lemonade. Uh, We have all this kind of homespun wisdom. But here in the story of Paul, you have a spiritual example of what Paul does in the very midst of isolation. Notice what he does. Number one, verse number 12, I sent Tychius to Ephesus. Why? He had something he needed to get done in uh, Ephesus. There is a mission. Paul is not hiding, feeling sorry for himself. And then Paul says in verse 13, when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus in Troas. And not only that, I want you to bring my scrolls. And not only that, but I want you to bring my parchments. Paul refuses to sit around, feel sorry for himself, suck his spiritual thumb as though this is the end of the story and sing some song about poor me, poor me. He refuses to see this time as the end of purpose. Oh, Paul could have had a pity party. Paul could have. He could have said, my God, I've been doing this for 30 years. I've been starting churches for 30 years. I've been doing ministry for 30 years. Paul didn't talk like this, but for the sake of this illustration, he's going to talk like this. Is this my reward to sit around and just feel sorry for myself? I've started churches. I've preached the gospel. I've been shipwrecked. I've been snake bitten. This is all I get to show for it. Nobody taking care of me. No one taking up offerings for me. Not getting any rewards. I'm not even getting anybody bringing me things given desserts. Is this the best it gets? He refuses to feel sorry for himself and instead he says, uh, huh, let's see. If I can't go to Ephesus, let me see if I can send somebody with a message. Hmm. Tychius, it's time for you to put on your traveling shoes, son. I have something I need you to do in Ephesus. Huh, let me think here for a moment. If I'm going to be by myself, I might as well be comfortable. Thank <laughs> you. 
So, uh, Timothy, I want you to bring me a cloak, Timothy, because I'm going to be here and I'm not going to feel sorry for myself. And huh, what else can you bring? If I'm going to be here, you need to bring me some books because ministry comes out of that which is poured into me and that which is poured out of me. And I'm not going to do nothing. I may be locked up. I may be isolated. Maybe I can't get out like I used to get out, but it's not time to feel sorry for me. I need books so I can pour into me, and I need parchments so I can pour out of me. I'm going to read, and I'm going to write. Oh, hear me, somebody, today. Your isolation can serve to end your spiritual effectiveness, or you can say, bless God. You need to practice saying that. It's an old church thing of bless God. I'm going to find a way to do it anyhow. You are able to take isolation and turn it to a spiritual productivity, not just a spiritual pity party. Paul is going to make an effort to do whatever he can, wherever he can, not simply not simply, not simply when the conditions are approved of by him. So Paul has gone through trouble, but the first thing he's going to do is he is going to, uh, how shall we say, refuse to sit around and do nothing. In your isolation, you will often find that your next spiritual connection is in the work you decide to do anyway. Is that fair? You feel isolated? Find some way you can connect with somebody and work at it, and you'll find your next connection is coming through the work you committed to do, even though you yourself were isolated. The second thing, or just let me finish with this because I like the way it sounds, Paul's motto of living is basically this. If I can't be where the action is, I'm going to create some action where I am. Secondly, Paul minimizes the, uh, how shall I say this? Paul minimizes the loneliness. He minimizes the isolation. He plays it down. He doesn't exaggerate it. He doesn't rehearse it over and over in his mind. He doesn't let it make him bitter. He minimizes it. I want to show that to you. Yes, it hurt when no one stood with him. Yes, it hurt when even his co-missionaries hid from the trial. Yes, it hurt when no one stood with him. But Paul's not going to build here three tabernacles. Paul's going to minimize it. And he says, no one came to my support, but may it not be held against them. They need mercy too. It is such a joyful thing to live your life where the people who hurt you live in your grace zone, not on your list of vengeance. All of us need a grace zone where everybody who has ever done you wrong is not put on a list of people you're going to get later, but they're put in a grace zone. And you say, I need a bigger grace zone. Well, you need to think about the grace God's given you. And you'll find out that that naturally grows the grace zone in your life. 
Yes, it hurt when no one stood with him. Yes, it hurt when not even his co-missionaries defended him. But Paul has a mighty grace zone in his life. And he put all of these people who disappointed him right in the grace zone. One of the ways to deal with isolation in your life is to minimize the hurt of it. Don't rehearse it. Don't celebrate it. Don't build three tabernacles around your isolation. Find a way to see the other people in your life with empathy. Find a way to see the other people in your life with grace. Minimize it and watch how God starts healing in your life. The third thing Paul does to show us is Paul recognizes the presence of God with him. He says this in verse number 17 um, where he says that um, the Lord was with me. He was not alone in this trial. Uh, The Lord, verse 17, stood at my side and gave me strength. The Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. Remember how I said when God counts people, it's always plus one? You're never really alone. God sees two and he counts three. Why? Because he's there. Those of you who feel isolated, stand with Paul. Everyone forsook me, but I was never really by myself because God always counts plus one when he counts people. He was with me, and I was not alone. I was not standing in my own strength. He was with me. He was a strength unto me. The Lord stood at my side. Somebody say that with me. The Lord stood at my side. And what did God do when he stood at my side? He gave me strength. Come on, say it louder than that. He gave me strength. You are not alone. I speak against the sense of isolation that has kept you from real spiritual effectiveness. You know, the worst thing uh, for um, ourselves when we are isolated is that we ourselves would lose our way and become a spiritual castaway. But there is something that I would say is just as bad, if not worse, and that is not just that we would become a spiritual castaway, but that our spiritual effectiveness would be lost. And the people who were looking to us to see a proclamation of the gospel are left without the witness of our life. Paul isn't just glad that he made it. He isn't just glad that the Lord stood at his side. He isn't just glad that the Lord was a strength to him. He's glad that through the Lord being with him and through the Lord being a strength to him, the message might be fully proclaimed and that all the Gentiles might hear it. I need every one of you to connect with the church. Don't wait for a perfect church. A perfect church won't accept your membership. Find a church and connect with those people. And don't look for a church of people who's all like you. We can't have a church that's all thumbs or a church that's all elbows. We need people who are different than us, people from different backgrounds. And then we need to have this really big grace zone in our life. And when we find ourselves at odds with people, we need to humble ourselves one to another. This is what a reconciled church looks like. A church of Pharisees is a church that's always finding people who don't measure up. A church of grace is always finding people, and they're saying, look, you ought to come in too. I don't really belong to be here either. They have this huge grace zone. And what you find is that you change more lives through love than you ever change through grace. 
So minimize the hurt, recognize the presence of God, and lastly, as our musicians come, uh, the, the fourth way to deal with loneliness is uh, to empathize with other people's needs. See that you aren't the only one who is, uh, who, who is lonely, say. You aren't the only one who is isolated. You aren't the only one who uh, had kids go away from college and you're going through that transition. Boy, I'm dreading that one. Uh, <laughs> uh, you aren't the only one who's going through a career change. There might be a way for you to connect with other people and you find that there is in the kingdom of God strength that is through giving that's never gotten in taking. <laughs> you might not be the only one going through a certain type of disease in your life that you're coping with. We've had some tremendous testimonies recently, more on that uh, later, but we've had some tremendous testimonies uh, recently of miracles, and I, I'm going to share it, but I want them to be here when I share it, of how God is working and doing great things among us. Uh, but you may not be the only one coping with something. You might find a way to reach out to others, and in your isolation, look around and recognize that you're not the only one. One of my favorite scriptures on this is about the scripture of the disciples, and they're at sea in the storm. Um, and there's a passage, I think it's in Mark. Uh, Mark says something, uh, I believe it's Mark. It may have been one of, one of the other synoptic gospel writers. Um, but they talk about the storm, and the Bible says this, there were with them also other little ships. I used to preach a message as an evangelist entitled Other Little Ships. And the idea of it was this, as they're in their storm, they think they're the only one at risk. But there was in the same storm other little ships, and they needed a breakthrough too. Yes, you're hurting, but there's other little ships in that storm. There's other people who need loneliness. And you know what you could do instead of asking yourself? Oh, come on, somebody. I'm about to preach up in here. <laughs> instead of asking with the disciples, is Jesus in the boat? <laughs> Remind yourself, you're not the only ship in the storm and it might be a good time for you to shout above the storm and say Jesus is in the storm with all of us my gospel of hope is you're not in the storm alone Jesus is in the storm with you he's not as, he's not as worried about the storm as you are because he's already weighed the storm. You're discovering it in real time. He's already weighed it. And he said, that's not worth waking up over. Paul says, the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. I love this. Paul's locked up. He's cold. He, need, he doesn't have a coat. He's bored. He has nothing to read, nothing to write. So he's alone. He's abandoned. He's forsaken. Demas left him. He's cold. He's bored. And he's probably hungry because back then the family had to feed prisoners. They did not feed prisoners. True story. Read you some history. And if their friends and family didn't care for them, they literally would let them starve in uh, the prison. Uh, that's different history. Um, nowadays, we give them three good unappealing meals a day. <laughs> but the idea here is Paul is cold, he's bored, he's broke, he's locked up, forsaken, and you know what he's saying? 
Man, I just hope that through my life the gospel is preached. Focus on other people's needs. Focus on other people's needs. Focus on other people's needs. My appeal to all of you, wherever you are in God, is to accept this reality. The church world, not just our church, but all the church world, is still in the aftermath of this isolation experience that we have thought of as COVID. It's been a real risk. There have been uh, tremendous excess deaths um, in the numbers. It is real. All of us know people who have died. We have isolated and we have developed some bad spiritual habits because of that isolation. Um, some of us stay at arm's length from the body of Christ. Some of us resist connecting with others. And as a pastor, all I can do is appeal to those of you who have known the warmth of Christian fellowship, the threefold cord, which is your brothers and sisters in Christ and a relationship with God that all of you have. You've known it, but you've developed bad spiritual habits. Habits. Consider this your Thanksgiving Day or Sunday appeal where I ask you to stir yourself and I ask you to reach out to other brothers and sisters. You've stayed away from the service because it's so stinking convenient. I know. We've made it so easy for you to stay at home. Preachers let it hang like that, that's because they're letting guilt do its work. <laughs> what am I saying is this. You have to value spiritual connection or you will never be who you can be in God. You'll never accomplish what you could accomplish in God. Your kids will not grow up with the same sense of church life that they could have grown up with. Well, just let that guilt linger. Y'all have any guilty songs you can play? You should be ashamed of yourself, you dirty dog. We need each other. Elbow your neighbor. Say, my God, he's preaching to you. Roxanne, I need you. You guys understand? Carlos, I need you. I need you. You didn't know I was going to get you the first Sunday back. My God. I love you, Daryl. Who should I pick on? You, got, you guys getting the point here? I need you. Don't let your only friends be people outside the faith. You need friends outside the faith. You do. How else are you ever going to have a witness or a, a testimony? Or You need that. But I need you. You need me. Our church will never be what it could be. Keeping each other at arm's length. Staying away. We have to say, God, you did not create this personal canoe for me to make it a heaven in. You created a ship and you put all the fellows in the ship and that's why we call it fellowship. Stand with me all across the house.
many of you have a need that you'd like to see God do in your life this week? Would you raise your hand all across the house? You have specific needs. How many of you need healing in your body? You, you need healing in your body. Maybe there's some people, if you look around you, they're standing near you. Um, if they're close enough for you to reach out and put a hand on the shoulder, why don't you do that? If they're not, why don't you extend the hand in their direction? Kind of try to look at the people. Raise your hand one more time. I'd like everybody in every section to look around and find someone that you're going to pray for specifically. Let's pray for healing in this house right now. Lord Jesus, we are praying right now for divine healing in our brothers and sisters. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.